All right. So how many of you actually recited your verse? Yeah, it's disappointing, guys. It's really disappointing. No, no shame. No shame. But this is a good one. Like this one, like this one, you have to, you just really have to learn this one. This is, this is a good verse. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump in. My name's Nathan. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here. If I haven't met you, I, you know, I'm sorry that I haven't yet. Um, some of you, I've, I've been around for a long time. Others, uh, yeah, just love to get to know you and spend time with you. It's a delight for me to be a part of this. This is, I was trying to think on the way over here, I think this is my, if not for COVID, right, and last year not really doing much of anything, this would be my 17th consecutive year going through, like, some version of this class. Um, and... So last year was like a real bummer for me because it's like, this is, this is what I do midweek in the fall. Uh, we love doing this. We love teaching this. And so it's just, it's a delight uh, to be able to do this. Obviously, it's changed a ton over the last 17 years, um, but the core concepts uh, are the same uh, and the things that we need so deeply uh, are the same. So let me, let me pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father, I'm so grateful for these people and the chance that we get to dive into your word and explore more of what it means to follow you on Monday and in all of life. God, we want to do that, and we're not very good at it. And so would you teach us how, show us how, and by the power of your Spirit, give us the ability to be the people you've called us to be in every place in which you put us. We want that, Lord Jesus, desperately. Uh, Make that work happen. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So everyone here is wearing a yoke of some sort. Everybody, right? Uh, you might even know what a yoke is, and we'll, we'll get to that point. So if you don't, that's, that's fine. Maybe you do because you supposedly memorized a verse. Um, but I get, like, every one of you is wearing a yoke. And if, if we're honest, like, probably more than one. There's probably a few yokes that we're wearing. It could be the, the yoke of, of people's expectations, Uh, A yoke of your desires, a yoke of work or family or debt. Like it can be like good things, it can be bad things. It can be, uh, you know, some some uh, you know addiction, anger, unforgiveness. Like any any anything. Like we're all yoked to something. And so, what are what are you yoked to? Now, some of you are like, Nathan, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, that's fine. Like, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so let me, let me explain a little bit. And again, you, you got a glimpse of this through the homework this past week. Uh, but a, a yoke is a, I mean, it's a literal thing, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but it's also a common metaphor throughout Scripture. Old, and, Old Testament in particular, but also in the New Testament. In fact, it's used about 50 times. Um, and typically, almost always, it's either referring to a literal yoke, which is a farming implement, we'll get there, um, or it's used negatively as, a, as like a metaphor for, for slavery and oppression, like for forced submission. Uh, most often, that's, that's the way it's used in the Old Testament. It's a negative, it's a negative picture. And, and again, so a, a yoke is a, was a, a literal, so the literal meaning of it is a farming implement uh, used to yoke two oxen together. I have one. You may have seen it in our building before. Um, this is what it looks like. Most of us don't live around these uh, very often. And so uh, I thought I'd show it to you. So uh, essentially uh, one, you know, one ox on this side, one ox over here, right? And then they'd plow, right? They'd have to submit to each other and they'd have to submit to the farmer, right? If you're in this, that's all you can do is, is submit. 
Okay, I'm gonna set this here, so if you wanna uh, remind yourself what it looks like. It's heavier than it looks, let me say. And actually, you know, so we have it hanging in the lobby. So like literally right before uh, this tonight, I like got a stool and a screwdriver and was like up there, like up high, like trying to do it. And it was like a swivel stool. Uh, so even though Jesus says the yoke is easy and light, like taking it off the wall is a real pain in the neck. So um, especially when I got it down, cause, like, cause I was still on the stool. So then I just like, it was, it was not, it was not, it was not great. Uh, but I wanted you, I wanted you to see it. So that's, that's a literal yoke. Again, it would force the animals to submit to the farmer and to submit to each other. No choice. And so as a metaphor, it's used in the Bible for slavery and oppression. Like it's, it's used when there's a tyrant king, like over, overthrowing Israel, right? Or, or, or abusive enemies, pushing them down. A yoke is a bad thing. Like nobody wants a yoke. Like you don't, you don't want one. We all, we all have them but you don't want a yoke. And the reality is, though, like, we're all slaves to something. And, and like, like if, you don't, if you don't believe me, that's, that's fine. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're easy to jump in here, but, like, if you don't believe me, like, like that, that you're a slave to something, you're yoked to something, just even ask yourself, like, how many promises to yourself have you broken in the last month? Like, not even, like, the, the rules of other people. Like, just, you can't even follow your own rules, right? Think about that. Like, how many times have I said, I'm going I'm to lose a little weight? I keep saying that. Like, every, like I, but it's not, it's not happening, right? Or, or I'll say, I'm going I'm, I'm to stop yelling at my kids, right? I'm trying, guys, right? That's, those are my kids, by the way. They're in here, um, if you're wondering. Uh, so sorry, right? But you, you make that promise. Or you make, I'm going to waste less time on social media. And on and on and on. Like, you liar, right? You're a slave. Or more seriously, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive the people who've hurt me. I'm going to become a patient person, doggone it. I'm not going to let that person's expectations control me anymore. You liar. You're a slave. You're wearing a yoke. And even if you're like, nah, I don't, I don't do any of that, right? I'm my, I'm my own person, right? I don't submit to anyone. I do what I want. Even there, you're kidding yourself. Because you're still almost entirely shaped by our culture's definition of what is good, true, and beautiful. Our culture tells us what to think. Or may, maybe you're saying, well, but, but I'm a pretty good person. It's like, no, you're not. You're not. I mean, you might be better than some, like, and, and hopefully that's, that's true. But like, even just think for a moment. I mean, I love, I love this exercise because it's horrifying. But just imagine with me for a moment. If everywhere you went, all the time, every day, every thought you have is projected right above your head for everyone to see. Would you have any friends? No, like everybody would leave you, right? Everybody would abandon me. Like, like that's the quickest way to be like, no, you, you are a broken, sinful mess, right? Me too. I'm wearing a yoke. And even if, even if you don't go there with that, even just think for a moment how tired you are right now. I mean, some of you are almost asleep already and I'm just getting warmed up. We've got a long time to go, people. Like, if I were to ask you, though, and I mean, I guess we did some of this, like, and I said the same thing, right? If I were to ask you, how you doing? How's your week? How you feeling? How many of us would say, oh, it's fine. I'm just tired, busy, exhausted, right? Or, or whatever. It's because you're wearing 
a yoke. And what's, what's crazy is like, most of us have more leisure time than the majority of people who have ever lived. Like, we don't have to worry about survival. Like, that's, that's new for the human race. That's pretty good, right? We don't have to worry about that. We've got time for video games, soccer practice, Ted Lasso, and yet we're exhausted. And why, why is this? Somebody, somebody mentioned this last week, right? Why is that we're, we're often more tired on Monday after we've just rested, right? Like, shouldn't we be, like, energized and ready for the week on Monday? And yet I think often I'm, I'm more tired on Monday. Well, that's because I, I do work on Sunday, and it's... It's maybe, maybe a different metaphor there, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? That's right, that's right. So it's, it's easy to rest. We're tired though, right? It's because we're wearing a thousand different yokes, right? 24-7 and they are killing us. In fact, some of you, like we talked about Church for Monday, right? And, you know, trying to follow Jesus on all of life. And some of you, you if you're honest, you're just thinking, I'm, t- I'm too tired for that. It's like, it sounds, it sounds great, but I'm just trying to survive on Monday. So I want you, I want you to hear this. You're, you're not alone, okay? Even at your table, certainly in this room, you're not alone. But listen, it does not have to be this way. There is rest available. And I don't, I don't mean a, another nap, a long weekend, a nice vacation, a TV show to binge, right? Rest. And yet many of us, I think, if, if, again, if we're honest, we tend to believe that true rest, true freedom, true happiness comes when we throw off all the yokes. That's where we run. It's like, well, I just got to, I got to like shed all the yokes, right? I just want to get rid of all of them. But the, but the reality is like, you can't do that, right? You can't throw off the, all the yokes. You've tried that. I've tried that. You're bad at it. So am I. It doesn't, it doesn't work. The goal is not to leave behind every yoke. You can't do it. The goal is to find a better yoke. Because you will be yoked to something. So which one will it be? Which yoke will you choose? If you take one thing with you um, tonight, I hope, I hope it's this. I, I put this because I thought your minds are already like filling with everything, right? Your Monday needs, oh my gosh, like I'm sure you could fill it out. Um, But for tonight, what we're going to talk about is your Monday needs a better yoke. A better yoke. So before we go any further, though, let's take just a quick moment to review, okay? So I want to pause. We'll get, we'll get back to this in just a second. But a quick moment to review. So if you, if you remember, right, Church for Monday, we're, Monday's our metaphor for all of life, right? It's not something special about Monday. It's all of life. Uh, and Reed mentioned uh, the last couple of weeks that we are kind of working through what we as a church have come up with. We call it our seven marks of discipleship, which is just a ridiculous name. But basically it means, like, we, we as pastors, we, we, I don't know, we took forever, like, trying two years. Like, what does a disciple look like? Like, we should know that. We should know that. But it took us, like, two years. Um, and we sort of came up with, like, what are, what are the key factors that somebody who's following Jesus, who's really trying to grow in their faith, what, what, are, what do they do? What do they look like? What do they love? Right? And we just tried to piece it together. And it's not an exhaustive list, but these seven were the prevailing. And so last week, right, we hit on the first one, uh, that a disciple, follower of Jesus, somebody ready for Monday takes up their cross, right? That your Monday is hopeless without Jesus, right? Hopeless without the cross, right? That's where we, we really focused last week. And so tonight, we're, we're 
picking up a different metaphor, right? Pick up your cross, now we're picking up our yoke. And again, it's probably a weird, maybe a little bit unfamiliar metaphor, uh, but this verse, these verses in Matthew are key uh, to our understanding the life that Jesus calls us to. That's kind of where we are. Any, any questions, even if you're just trying to locate, like, what am I doing? Where, where are we at? Like, any, any, anything before we jump in further? Okay, so I w- what I want us to do is go to the uh, table discussion. We've actually got a case study for you. It's super weird, but I kind of like it. So have somebody read it out loud uh, at your table, um, and then just answer the question at the end and talk about it. So it'll take 10 minutes. Okay. What, uh, what'd y'all decide? No. You go first. It's hard, isn't it? Because even as I, I mean, I had to read it like three times and I was like, well, like I think what I want is good, but what if what I want is something else? Like what if my desire for something else, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, Lindsay. Well, we thought, what if you desire God's will for your life? So why would you not step in the room? It's true. Yeah, if you could say with 100% certainty, that is my chief <laughs> desire, then I would walk in. He knows my heart. He did. Mm. But the room, I don't think the room belongs to God. There might either <laughs> Jesus or a horse. It's possible. So are you going to tell horse. us the ending? Oh, I, I have actually never seen the movie. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I never thought, I mean, that's, you're right, exactly, though. Like if, like, if that really is my highest desire, which I would hope that it would be, mm-hmm. but it's like, would I trust that it really is? Or would I rather have comfort or success or long life or family or... I don't know. Even in scripture, it's, you know, Jeremiah 17, 9, someone brought up the heart is deceitful. Yeah. But then at the same time, there's Psalm 37, forward, delight yourself in the Lord. And yeah. Give you the desires of yeah. your heart. So it was... Without, with, without a sin nature, then I think, yeah, I could, I could say, yes, let's do that. But I think it's because my desires are so corrupted... Again, I don't, I don't know if there's like a right or a wrong here, but the fact that you have to stop and think about it says, man, maybe I shouldn't trust my desires so much, right? I mean, the very, the very, even if you said yes, it's like, okay, fine. But you had to pause and be like, man, is that, is that really, really what I want? And at the end of the day, I mean, just me personally, like I, I don't know if I trust myself. Like I don't, I don't know if, if I would say my heart is trustworthy enough where I could walk in with confidence and know that what I'm going to receive in there is not going to be a disaster for me. Because my desires are a mess. And so when we get to Matthew chapter 11, because this is, this is kind of the first uh, yoke we're going to talk about, a yoke of our desires, because um, that's, that's a big one in our culture, right? My desires trump everything, right? If, any, if I want it, I should have it. It should be good. I'm sorry I used the word trump. I know we can't use that anymore. Um, it's my bad. It's, it's like... It's a crazy world, isn't it? Crazy world we live in. Um, But here, so in Matthew 11, go ahead and turn there if you have your Bibles. Um, Here, Jesus invites us to another way because he takes this very negative metaphor. And Jesus knows, like Jesus knows, like this is a terrible metaphor, but I'm going to invite my followers into it because they're already yoked to something, right? And he's going to say, my yoke is better. You're going to submit to something. Your desires are going to submit to something. Why don't you try submitting them to me instead? 
because Jesus has a better yoke and your Monday, my Monday needs a better yoke. So first we have to ask ourselves, do we want a yoke of our desires or a yoke of God's invitation? We've got three of these kind of contrasts we're going to work through as we unpack this text. Invitation. I also have bad handwriting, uh, probably worse than reads, but I also can't spell. So it'll be, it'll be, it'll be super fun. Um, so which do you want? A yoke of our desires or a yoke of God's invitation? Many of us, if we're honest, we are yoked to our desires. Like enslaved to what we think we want, right? And so it's like you got to figure out what the, what the good life is. Right? You've got to find it right now. You've got to build your life around it. Anything less than perfect is, is fail. You've got to have the perfect family. or You've got to achieve blank in your career. You've got to make sure you go to the right college or you know, become, because you know, you, you're the master of your happiness, right? Your happiness is up to you. And in our culture, our world, like you have, you have no end to the options. So go find out what works for you, what makes you happy. And if you don't get it right, all is lost, right? You get one chance, so... Like, no pressure, right? So that, that is a yoke, right? We feel that pressure of, like, what do, I, what do I do? What do I pick? Who do I marry? Do I get married? You know, what, what kind of career is going to make me happiest? What's going to give me most fulfillment? Where should I live? Like, we have all this endless stuff before us. Um, and there's, there's, there's three big problems with our desires. Actually, there's, there's, like, way more. But three in particular that I want to unpack here. Why, even though this is where we go, right? We go to the, whatever we want that like, uh, why shouldn't I have that, right? We love our desires. But there's three big problems with this if you're yoked to your desires. Uh, number one, and we'll, we'll unpack these, your desires conflict. Number two, they change. And number three, they're culturally constructed anyway. They're not even your desires. You just think they are, right? That's, that's the cynical way of saying it. So let me, let me unpack what I mean by that. So first of all, and you know this, right? You, we all know this, and yet we still trust our desires to tell us what makes us happy. It's ridiculous, right? Like your, your desires conflict. My desires conflict. I want to save money, and I want to buy that right now, right? I want to lose weight, and I want to eat pizza every day. I want, to be, I, want to be, I want to be successful at work, and I want to have so much great family time. I want to be a great husband, and I want to do whatever I want whenever I want, right? Like none of, the, none of those work. You can't, you can't do both, and so they conflict. You can't trust them, right? Because which do you pick? Who's going to tell you which to pick? Do I do the pizza, or do I, you know, do I not? Like, nobody's going to tell you if you're, if you're yoked to your desires. Not only do they conflict, they change. They're constantly changing. I mean, think about it this way. At every stage of my life, I've had a completely different set of desires that have guided me. Like, when I was, when I was 10, right, and I thought I, thought I knew what I wanted— like, it was my life centered around candy and Legos, right? That was it. And I built my life. That was it, right? That was what I, that was the good life, right? And then when I was, you know, 17 or 18, senior high school, it was, it was my car, music, and girls. Like, that, that's, that's what I wanted. That, I, knew, I knew my desires, right? That was where it was. Uh, and, and I thought that I should be the one to call the shots, right? And then the same thing when I was in my 20s and my 30s, right? And I was convinced, like, that person should be in charge of my life, Think about that for a moment. Where you sit right now, would you for a moment put the 10-year-old self in charge of you? Would you do that? Like, you know what? That guy really, he knew what he was talking about. Um, I'm going to let him make the decision for the next thing in my life. No, of course you wouldn't. And yet here I am, right? I'm almost 42, and I'm convinced, once again, I know what I want. I know the best way to get there. Like, I'm the master of my life, right? 
but you know what? There's a good chance when I'm in my 60s, I'm going to look back at this idiot and think he had no idea, right? Because that, that's happened at every, if you look back over your life, you know that that's true. Like they're constantly changing. How can you trust them? And then the last thing, they're culturally constructed anyway. And this is the most delicate, right? Because I don't, I'm not, by saying this, it's like I'm not throwing culture under the bus. Like it's this big bad entity out there. Like we are culture, right? Like we're, we're all immersed in it. Like you can't separate out where culture begins and where we, we begin, right? It just doesn't work that way. So I'm not, I'm not doing that. But the reality is way more than any of us typically give credit to, we are a product of our culture who tells us what to desire and tells us what desires we should pursue. And so just like a simple example, and don't, don't overthink it, but like, just, just think about this for a moment. It's just a, an example. It's a common one that's been used for, for others kind of unpacking this. Let's just say that you are a person dealing with violent tendencies and same-sex attraction, okay? Violent tendencies, so you're, you're, just, you're, just a vi- you're just kind of a jerk, right? And you like, you like hurting things. Um, and, and you're attracted to people of the same sex as you, okay? Just imagine that for a second with me. Let's say you were, you were born, though, in not this culture, but a completely different one. Uh, let's, say, let's say it's kind of a, a tribal culture, right? Where in that culture, they would say, you should embrace your violent tendencies. Like, we, we, we have enemies. Like, we have people trying to steal our food. Like, you should be a warrior. You, should, you can go out and you can kill any of those people you want. Like, you can embrace those violent tendencies. But that same-sex attraction stuff, like, don't. Like, we don't, we don't do that in this tribe, right? They would tell you, and you would probably choose one and not the other, wouldn't you? Now, in our culture, like, it's the exact opposite, right? Like, gosh, your violent tendencies, my goodness, like, don't, don't embrace those, right? Don't, you can't do that. And yet, like, whatever sexual desire you have, if you don't fulfill it, you are, you are less than a human, right? You are unfulfilled. You'll never be happy. And chances are, like, if that's where you're at, like, you're going to pick one of those desires over the other. And we, for, we forget that, though, right? We forget how many of our, our desires are fed to us by the environment in which we live. Um, you cannot trust them, right? You can't trust them. Because um, it's like, what else, what else is our culture going to change its mind on? Everything about that? Like, what's, what's okay now? It's going to be terrible in 10 years, Right? Um, and why do we think our culture today is so much smarter than other cultures? Like, it's, it's ridiculous, right? We think we're, well, we finally arrived because we're so happy, right? We're so satisfied with life, aren't we? It's, just, it's, it's ridiculous, right? But that tends to be how we, how we live. Left to our own des- devices, trying to discern the good life, we'll become a slave to our own desires, we'll be tossed around by whatever our culture tends to affirm at the moment, and we'll be betrayed by it tomorrow. A yoke of our desires is a yoke slavery. It's not worth it. Or we can have a yoke of God's invitation where it's not about, it's not about our desires, but his desires. So Matthew, Matthew 11, 28-30. At Christ Community, we, we call these verses the great invitation, right? Because it's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus is inviting us into. And he speaks these words to each one of us who follow him. He says to to us in this room, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, 
lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So think about that for a moment. First of all, who, who does Jesus invite? What? Sorry? All. All? Yeah, all. Yeah, and he, he kind of gives some descriptions there. It is, it's true that it's, it's for everyone. Um, how else does he describe that? Weary and burdened. All who are, who are just worn out. Anybody? Anybody fit the bill? Right. Anybody exhausted? Yeah. It's so interesting. Like he doesn't, it's not, come to me all you who have your life together. Right? Who have it figured out. Who know the right way to live, the best way to, to, to follow your desires or whatever. Like that's not, that's not who Jesus invites. He invites the tired, the weary those, frankly, it's those who recognize they've been yoked to things that are destroying them. Or if not destroying them, at the very least, leaving them exhausted. Tired out. It's like Jesus is looking at all of us humans, all the, all the yokes we're wearing and saying, this one, this one is for you. This one won't wear you out like the other ones. Because how, how does Jesus describe himself in this passage? What does he say? Gentle and lowly at heart. Think about that for a moment. In fact, I, uh, well, first of all, what do, you, what do you think that, that means? Gentle and lowly at heart. What do you think that means? No guesses. Or other translations, maybe? That might help give some color. Humble? Humble? Yeah, yeah. Meek? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Safe, yeah. Tender. Tender. Tend- oh, I love that. Tender. I mean, think about, you know, we as Christians believe Jesus is the God of the universe, the one who created everything. And that when he describes himself, it's gentle and lowly. I mean, what a God we serve people. This phrase has recently really grabbed my attention. Again, this, this passage has been key to Christ's community for years, but this, this book, if you've not read this, like this is, I'm, I'm going to plug this one and this one. You can take your pick. We'll get to this one in a minute. Um, but this one in particular is one of my new favorites, uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Um, the subtitle is The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers. It's one of the, one of the most beautiful books I've written in a long time. Uh, if you're tired or feel beat up, like this book, this book is, is for you. Um, but listen, listen to what he says. Um, I'm not going to find the page. I, I quoted it out here. But listen, listen to what he says in kind of the opening sort of summary, because that's, that's a big phrase for him, right? Gentle, it's the title of his book. He says this, in the four gospel accounts given to us, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are 89 chapters of biblical text. Okay, that's a lot, right? There's only one place where Jesus tells us about his own heart. In only one place, perhaps the most wonderful words ever uttered by human lips, do we hear Jesus himself open up to us his very heart. And then he, then he quotes Matthew 11, right? Um, and then he, he goes on, he says, in, one, in, in the one place in the Bible where the Son of God pulls back the veil and lets us peer way down into the core of who he is, we are not told that he is austere and demanding in heart. 
We're not told that he's exalted and dignified in heart. We're not even told that he's joyful and generous in heart. Letting Jesus set the terms, his surprising claim is that he is gentle and lowly in heart. And he goes on and he describes that the heart, like the, that metaphor in scripture is, is used as like the center, he calls it the center animating, central animating center of all we do. Like, like when the Bible talks about the heart, that's like, it's, it's who you are, right? It's the very core essence. And so the last, the last thing he says, he says, and when Jesus tells us what animates him most deeply, like what is, what's at that center of his being, what is most true of him, when he exposes the innermost recesses of his being, what we find there is gentle and lowly. And then he ends with a question, who could have ever thought up such a savior? You gotta buy this book, people. Like I can't even read a quote without like bawling over here. Uh, it's so good. Um, again, like all of us, all of us are wearing a yoke, right? But if you're slaves to your desires, there is no rest. Even if, you, if, even if you get what you think you want, like there is no rest, there's no satisfaction, there's no ultimate hope. But if, a, if the God who made us invites us and he is gentle and lowly, gosh, if I'm gonna be a slave to somebody, right? Like that's, that's I pick him. Like that's, that's who I wanna to submit to, right? I'm gonna to submit to something. My desires are a train wreck. I want to at least hear what he invites us into and consider his, his offer. So let's take 10 minutes at our tables uh, before we move to the next point to discuss the next set of, of questions. Okay, 10 minutes. All right. All right. So what, uh, for that first question in particular, what did, what did you come up with? What are some of the other common yokes in our world? If we were to... If we were to add some to the next sort of comparison, what would, what would be some of them that you feel? Money. Money. Is that, right? Is that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Either the desire for more or desire to get out of debt. I mean, either way, I mean, I guess it's the same desire in some ways. Yeah. What else? Social media. Social media. Yeah, absolutely. Those things are designed to keep us uh, pretty well hooked. Yeah, yeah. What else? Community status, absolutely, yeah. Trying to, you don't even know who you're, who you're competing with, right? Um, and yet, there's that feeling of like, yeah, the next, the next thing, whatever the next thing is, it's like, gotta have it, gotta do it. What else? Physical appearance. Physical appearance, yeah, absolutely, yep. <laughs> Expectations. Expectations. Mm, Whose? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like you say expectations like, oh, man, this my parents, my kids, my my friends, you know, coworkers, colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it just you just you don't run out. Not like your own, like your own expectations for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Religion. Yeah. That's true. That's true. I mean, especially as we talked about it last week, right? The uh, kind of the, this, I have to earn something to God. I have to prove my, my devotion. I have to prove that I'm in this yoke, right? Yeah. And it becomes a, uh, our own form of like, yeah, slavery. Yeah, that's, that's really good. All right, let me, uh, let me go to the next one. So again, we've got, we've got three of these. The next, the next one is, uh, and Lindsay, I guess you hit it right in the head. A, a yoke of endless expectations and in part because it's, it is so broad, right? It's, it's a never-ending thing. Expectations. 
or integrated rest. And I'll explain what that means in a moment. And once I figure out how to spell integrated. A yoke of endless expectations or a yoke of integrated rest. So integrated or holistic, right? We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that a little bit more, but that's kind of the idea. So like, part of the reason we can't, we can't rest, right, is because we feel all the expectations upon us, right? Uh, of social achievement, right? Of, of the people around us, of work, and, and all these, these kinds of things. I mean, just like think about for a moment, like just take a moment, like don't, don't despair, take hope, but like just for a moment, think about all the people that expect something from you. Okay, but stop doing it. It's terrible, right? Like the list keeps going, right? You, you feel that. And it's not, it's not all bad, right? That's a good thing. We live in a society where we should expect things from one another, right? That's part of living within community. It's not, it's not all bad. Some of, that, some of that is normal. But when we get into that yoke, where it's like, that's the thing that's going to make me whole, right? It's, it's, it's the thing that's going to fix me or make me happy or whatever. When, when it's those voices that begin to define us, it's absolutely, it just will exhaust us, right? Because you can never do enough uh, to please the people around you or to please yourself. Like you can't do all of it. In fact, so here's my other uh, hot read to recommend. Put Me in the Zoo by, uh, by Robert Lopshire. Um, it's a really depressing book, actually. That's why I picked it. So like, it's, it's about this animal. I don't know if you've ever read this one. It's kind of, I don't, I don't even know how I came across it, but it's about this like animal thing, right? With the polka dots who wants so badly to be in the zoo. Like the whole book is, I'm just like, I just want to go to the zoo, man. I want to, I want to live in the zoo. That's all, that's all he wants, right? And so it's, it starts off, oh man, this is terrible, guys. He says, I will go into the zoo. I want to see it. Yes, I do, right? And then he, he talks about all the things he's trying to do to do that. And, and then, and then the, like the zookeepers, so sorry, I forgot the pictures, zookeepers. They're kicking him out, right? He says, we don't, we don't want you in the zoo. Out you go, out with you. And so he's like depressed and like these kids are trying to help him. And then it, it like builds to these questions. It says, why should they put you in the zoo? What good are you? What can you do? I mean, that, that's terrible, Right? Like this is this is for kids, I guess. Like that that that's like his his worth in, in life, this this poor little polka dotted animal. What good are you? What can you do? And listen, like if you're if if you're anything like me, if you're just honest with yourself, like those like those are the questions I think I ask myself every day. Maybe not explicitly, not on purpose, right? But the, like the background noise is Nathan, what good are you? Nathan, what can you do? Right? Like every, at every turn, we hear those voices. You hear them, you hear them from yourself sometimes, right? Sometimes you're your, your worst critic. Sometimes you hear them from others. And if we build our lives around listening to those voices, they will, they will destroy your soul and you will not find rest. And, and maybe, maybe, again, maybe you're sort of like, but that's not me. I don't care what other people think, right? I beat, I beat, to, my own, I beat to my own drum. Is that a dance to the beat of my own drum? Is that better? That, that's, that's what it is. Uh, the reality is, like, you might say that. It's like, I don't care what other people think. But, like, unless you're a sociopath, it's just not true, right? Like, you may not care what everybody thinks, but there are opinions that matter deeply to you, right? Of course, of course, of course we care. And even, even though, even if you could quiet the voices of others around you, what about that own, your own internal whisper, right? The endless expectations of yourself that always comes with you everywhere you go. Right? And you say, you say, I'm going to work harder. 
That's what I'm going to do, right? Uh, and then I can rest, right? If I, if I work hard enough, if I earn enough, right? If my, my weekend or my vacation is good enough, like if I get what I want, then, then I can rest. Or, or we often do it. We'll settle for some substitute, right? Um, so let's say you're, you're tired emotionally, physically, just exhausted. Like where do you turn? A little more sleep, a little more food, a little more alcohol, a little more TV, video games, right? And like we expect to be rested at the end of that, don't we? Like how often have you like really been rested after binge watching something, right? Seriously. So we, we, long, we long then for the weekend, right? If I can just get to the weekend, and, but like there's nothing wrong with enjoying the weekend. I, I love the, it's a good thing, right? But if it's, if it's built on your own striving, right? Sort of your expectations of earning the ability to rest. Like the, the reality, like if you're, if you're exhausted on Monday, it might not be because your weeks are so hectic. It might be because your weekends are just so hollow. You're not actually resting. You're substituting for rest. And this is, this is sort of the picture of, of di- disintegration uh, that Reed talked about last week. You remember that? Kind of a short section uh, in last week's notes. But like that, our, our, our lives are fragmented, right? We're, we're searching every, every nook and cranny for what will satisfy us. Like we have this part of our lives and we have this part of our lives and this part of our lives and all these expectations. And we're trying to just like juggle all of it. Like we were, we were never meant to live that way. And meanwhile, here comes Jesus, who will never ask, what good are you? What can you do? Like, you know, perform for me, monkey, right? In fact, actually what Jesus says here is almost the opposite, right? Basically, he's saying, who feels like they're no good, right? Labor and heavy laden. Who feels like they just can't do? I want you. And again, church, like that's, if I'm going to wear a yoke, like, like sign, me, sign me up for this one, Right? Because that's, that's rest. Again, hear, hear those words like, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how does, we talked about how Jesus describes himself. How does Jesus describe his yoke? What's that? Light? Yeah. Yeah, what else? Easy. Uh huh. What does that mean? Easy and light. What do you think that means? It's like at first it's like, well, easy and light. That's what it, that's what it means, right? And then you follow Jesus for five minutes, and you're like, I don't think that means what he thinks it means, right? It, it's like it's not easy. Like it, it feel it feels like this this like weird. If, if by our definition of easy and light, at this point you kind of think, well, Jesus, I don't I don't know if you know what you're talking about, right? With all due respect. That's because I think, I think we don't really understand how he's using, how's he, how he's using those words. Because Jesus, he, like, he knows what he's, what he's setting us up for. He knows that this is a negative metaphor of forced submission. And he knows where he's about to go and where his disciples are about to follow, right? Like, if you think about, like, an easy life or a light and easy, like, existence, a comfortable, like, if you translate like that, you look at the disciples, like, well, that's, like, Jesus made their lives way worse by that definition, Right? Because they, they suffered and they died. Like in many ways, like Jesus, if you're really serious about following him, like Jesus is guaranteed to make your life harder and to make it heavier. Not without purpose and meaning, right? And, and hopefully a, a better yoke filled with rest. But there's heartache attached to it. And so what do you 
Knowing that, like, what do you think he means when he says easy and light? Any guesses? Yeah, what does Dane say? He says kind. Mm. Kind. Kind. I like that. I like that. Other thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. He's it's not that it's necessarily a piece of cake right now, but he's he's paved the path. I like that. I like that. Yeah, what else? Also consistent. Consistent. Endless. Yeah. true. You're trying to please one master instead of the rest. I mean, I think I think all of this is all of this is true, and we're we're kind of grabbing at different things here, um, all of which I think is is really important. What I what I often think of in this spot is that it's it's easy and light by comparison, it's, especially when you think about again. Jesus knows that this is a, this is a he's using a, a terrible metaphor in some ways, and they everybody would have known that they are yoked to the Romans right now. The, God, God's people, the Israelites, like they they want nothing to do with a yoke, right? They know that, and yet Jesus says, "But mine." We're all yoked to something, but mine is easy and light compared to all the other yokes, compared to our, our desires as a, as a slave master, uh, our expectations, the expectations of others. Because again, go back to like, who is it that we're submitting to in this scenario, right? Who are we linking our lives with? It's Jesus, right? And what, is, and what does he promise? What's the promise at the end of this? We've said it a thousand times, rest. Yeah, Emily rest. Not a nap, not another distraction, not a great show to binge, right? Not a a long weekend or a great vacation. It's way better than that. It's like, I love those things. I'm not, please, like, I don't, I'm not minimizing those, but if you think that's the end goal, you're wrong. What you want is rest. Soul rest. Integrated rest. So that's kind of a weird word to throw in here, right? Integrated rest. What does that, what does that mean? Well, again, we kind of made reference to it last week, but there's this, this strange Old Testament word, this concept. Uh, all throughout uh, the Old Testament, it's, in Hebrew, it's the word tome. Um, and it, it means wholeness or integral or integrated. And it's a common, it's a common reframe in the Old Testament that God's people, it's often translated as blameless. Uh, like God will say, walk before me and be blameless, be whole, right? Um, and blameless is good, but like whole, integrated is probably a better, a better picture of it. And, and the yoke, I think part of what Jesus is saying, like the yoke is the place where we, we find this whole life integration, the, the consistency, where instead of, instead of all these other masters, we have one who makes sense of everything else. Not that we, we shirk all of our other responsibilities. We're not, we're not ditching all, all the things that we have around us, but he gives them integration. He gives them, gives them wholeness. So, for example, like he helps us order our desires, right? So when we don't know which to, way to go, when, I'm, when I have two competing desires or, or two desires that have, that have changed, like he, he tells us which way is better. Um, he helps us order, order our expectations. Not that other people's expectations are unimportant, but he helps us rank them, right? He helps us know where, where to, how to understand them, how to, because ultimately we're trying to please him, not everybody else, Right? And I think part of easy and light, like this yoke, he's, this is his yoke, the metaphor is that he's in it with us. And so even, even the, the kind of the idea of him carrying it, right? He's gone before. It's, he has gone before. He has paved the way, but he's also like, he's in it with us, carrying. So whatever, whatever load it is that we're carrying, which wasn't easy and light before, right? It's that we get to carry it, carry it with him. 
and helps us put all the other yokes, everything else that we so easily begin to submit to, helps to put it in its, in its proper place. It reminds me of kind of a, a ridiculous illustration, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it anyway. So I need, I need my special helper. This is my daughter, Eden. Eden, how old are you? you Twelve. Twelve. Just lovely. Okay, so uh, our family goes on, we, lo we love to hike. You guys, some of you know that, right? We love to do that. And so often we, we'll go deep into some national park, like, and we're just like there lost in the wilderness for, for a day. And so I, I tend to carry the majority of our, of our supplies. Not that the kids are getting older, they, they carry more of it. Uh, and so often, you know, we'll have like, just, yeah, stand right there. So I'll have like rain gear, because you never know. That's a chair. Uh, this is like uh, some cold weather stuff. I don't know what to tell you, hon. Um, this is a blanket. Like you might, you might need that. Um, a flashlight and a water, you know, safety first, right? So you got, oh, oh, did I poke you? <laughs> okay, so you got that. Uh, now, like imagine going on a hike. Like, eat it. <laughs> Do I need to get your brother up here? No, just kidding. Um, like, imagine going on a hike like that. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, it would, it would not work, right? And that's typically, I think, how we kind of walk through life. We're just, we're just juggling everything. Like, all these expectations, we don't know where to put them. All of them matter. It's not that they're unimportant, um, but it just, it becomes, it becomes ridiculous. And so I like, I like to think of the yoke as like a good backpack, right? So this is, this is one of my best friends. This is my, uh, my 40, uh, 40 liter. Uh, so dump it in there, okay? And, you know, the backpack makes, actually makes the gear heavier, right? It adds weight because it weighs something. So you're like, you're adding to it. You got it? Oh, what else you got? Let's just, we'll leave the chair out. Okay. Oh, you got, oh man, you just got all kinds of stuff. All right. So, that's a little too big, right? Because it's, it's my backpack. But, like, you get the idea. Like, this is way better, right? It's heavier. It's not, it's not, it doesn't make it easier. Uh, but it's way better. All right, thank you, big. Round of applause to the loveliest helper. Yeah, she carries everything. We actually, she's she's the, she's a strong hiker. That that one for sure. Um, but like again, like that that's how we tend to live. We tend to live with this disintegration where everything is just a mess, right? We're just trying to juggle all these expectations. Um, and what we need what we need is something that integrates them, that puts them all in their proper place, that helps us know how to prioritize and how to how to put those expectations because it matters. Um, but when we when we give these things to Jesus, it's not that they magically go away. It doesn't, it doesn't make life like easy and perfect and simple and everything's just happy-go-lucky, right? And yet, when we're in his yoke, it's, it's like everything begins to fit. Fit in its right, rightful place. Life is still hard. I mean, again, look at the disciples. Look what Jesus, like life is still hard. Don't think for a moment Jesus has called you to a comfortable life. That's, that's not his call for us. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard if we're, if we're doing it right. It's going to be hard. And yet it's better that he, he orders my priorities and I can, I can trust him. It fits. It fits me. Like this is, this is wholeness and he is, he's in it with me is the metaphor, right? This, this is wholeness. This is tome. This is integration. By, by comparison, this, this is way, way easier. And again, I'm no longer carrying them alone. And so there is, there's rest. Let me, let me quote again uh, from Gentle, Gentle and Lowly. And I'm going to pause. I haven't done that yet for questions and and comments. But again, gentle and lowly. Again, I just love this book. I'm sorry, guys. Um, but here, here's what he says about this kind of easy and light. He says, his yoke is kind uh, and his burden is light. 
That is, his yoke is a non-yoke, and his burden is a non-burden. I love this metaphor. He says, what helium does to a balloon, Jesus' yoke does to his followers. We are buoyed along in life by his endless gentleness and supremely accessible lowliness. He doesn't simply, simply meet us at our place of need. He lives in our place of need. And he never tires of sweeping us into his tender embrace. It is his very heart. It is what gets him out of bed in the morning. I just, I love that picture. That's, that's what, not that Jesus goes to sleep, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what gets, that's, that's what animates him, right? Um, that's what he loves, doing that for us. Okay, that's a whole lot of stuff. Um, I want to get practical here in a minute, but I'd love to just stop and think through any questions, comments, clarifications, pushbacks. If anybody wants to juggle some stuff, we could do that too. Um, That boring, huh? Yeah. And pretty soon, the yoke feels heavy yeah. because I'm thinking that he has these expectations that aren't actually really there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's similar to what Sarah said, where it becomes a yoke of religion instead of a yoke of, of delight, a yoke of God's presence. You know, um, I can't remember if it was Dallas Willard who said this, who, who you read uh, a chapter of. Love, I love that book. Uh, I think it was he who said um, that God will, God will never ask you to overwork. Like he'll never do that. That's, that's us. Like we do that to each other and to ourselves. But, but Jesus will never ask you to overwork. Yeah, or overextend yourself. Yeah, what else? Any other comments, questions? I see it here in verse yeah. 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Uh, that kind of indicates that he's in it with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, He's right beside us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I love the learning. Meta- that's kind of where we're going next. The learning, like, he doesn't expect us just to know how it works once we get in that yoke. He's going to teach us. Um, yeah, that's good. That's good. What else? All right, let me go, let me go to our, our, our last one here. So, again, we've got we to get practical because some of you, I mean, I hope at least, you're at the point where it's like, yeah, this is better. Like, Jesus' yoke is better. That's, that is what I want. Um, but there's still that, like, but how, right? Uh, I don't know where to find it. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where to look. I can't see it, right? It's a, it's a metaphor. How do I put a metaphor on, right? Or maybe you're thinking, like, I've, I've tried it. I've tried to change. Um, I've tried to do better. I've tried trying harder. Um, it doesn't work. And the reality, like, you're right. It doesn't work. Um, and so here, here's where I want to get, a, a, get practical. Because we don't, we don't need another yoke of trying harder. That's our default, right? When we recognize there's a problem, our typical solution is, well, I'm just going to try harder. Have you tried that? How's it working? Like, it, it's stupid, but we keep doing it, right? A yoke of trying harder. We're training better. Scott, this is where I, I love that you kind of pushed us here, right? This is what Jesus says, right? Learn from me, right? Yoked with him. 
a yoke of trying harder or training better. So that's, that's the third thing. Let me, uh, let me give another example. Um, so I was, uh, I was the fat kid growing up. It always comes with shame to admit that. Um, that's who I was, right? Uh, my uh, like elementary, middle school, high school, that was always, always who I was um, or who I felt I was. And my brother was like, he's five years older. He's, he's taller than I am, okay? So I'm 6'5", he's 6'7 and a half. Um, and was like the basketball star. We grew up small town where like high school basketball is everything. So you can imagine, like that was my brother, basketball star, and me, the fat kid, right? Um, in, in a culture like that. And so I tried, right? Because I thought that's what, that's what you have to do is you have to be like, you have to be good at basketball to like fit in and all that. And like, I, like it didn't matter like how much the coach yelled, like run faster, fatty, right? Um, this is, you know, it was a different era. So they weren't necessarily kind. Um, like it didn't matter. Like, okay, like you can yell that. Like, don't you think I'm trying to, I mean, it just, it didn't work. I still have, I still have shame issues, right? I still hate, I hate the sport of basketball. Like I, I can't even watch it on TV. So I think I got, I think I got all kinds of problems. But like the reality is like, I could tell you as your pastor, you should really try harder to follow Jesus on Monday. Like guys, seriously, it's not, it's not great. You should try harder. Um, but it's not going to cut it. And you know it, Right. And so what we need instead, and this is where the Dallas Willard article is so helpful, like what we need is to train better. And this is, this is the beauty of the yoke. Um, Jesus invites us to walk beside him and to submit to him, to learn from him. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a, metaf- it's a metaphor of submission, no doubt, right? Nobody, nobody likes the idea of submission, right? We don't, we don't love that. Um, but it's also a metaphor of partnership, that we're not alone in this, in this yoke. Um, that in it, we're in his presence and like you're yoked beside him, next to him, like plowing the field with him. And so a, a yoke, for example, yes, it was you know, a common tool simply for, for farming. You plow together, but it was also a, a tool of training. And so, for example, if you had uh, an old seasoned ox, right, and you got a new ox or the, that ox had a baby, uh, baby ox does not know how to, how to plow. Like it doesn't like he wants to do what he wants to do. Like that's that's this is what we do, right? By default. And so um, what you would do is you would put the two in a yoke together. And so often, if you even kind of Google this, you'll see some examples of ones that are way bigger on one side and like smaller on the other, right? They're because they're they're made for specifically for the the oxen involved. And Jesus, remember, was a carpenter, right? So there's a a good chance that he he was very intimate with uh, the construction of these and and knew knew what they were about in that way. Um, And they would then like plow the field uh, together. So this this young, inexperienced ox, we always, I don't know if we always do, we call him Billy. This is what we've done. Every time I've heard this story, every time I've told, told this story, it's always Billy and Bessie. Bessie's the old one. I don't know why she has to be the old one, but she is. So, uh, so Billy, like, he doesn't, again, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know, how to, he doesn't know what his purpose is on the farm. Uh, he, he doesn't know why he's there. Uh, he thinks it's to look, like to eat grass and sniff flowers, right? Um, but over time, Bessie, who's been doing this for a long time, she knows exactly what her purpose is. Like she, and she knows how to plow. And the reality is because he's, she's bigger than him, like, he doesn't, when he's yoked in there, he didn't have any choice. Like, he's not deciding at that point, am I, gonna, am I gonna go this way or not? Like, he doesn't have a choice. Like, he's, he's forced into submission uh, to, to plow, like, for the master there in, in the field. Um, he can't just do whatever he wants. Uh, his desires and expectations were no longer in charge. Um, Bessie 
was in charge. And Bessie would show Billy how, how to do it. But not, not from afar, right? Not scolding, angry, and distant, but next, next to him. Plowing alongside, making the yoke a little easier and a little lighter. And this, is, this is what Jesus wants to do with us. He wants to train us. And he expects nothing less than absolute submission to him, right? He's, he's God, right? So he can do that. That's what, he, that's what he wants for us. But he wants to, in doing so, he wants to teach us and show us our purpose in life, what we were made for, so that we can please the master and live the very best, best life. And so how? Like, how does Jesus train us? Well, again, going to the, the Dallas Willard uh, chapter you read, and that book is kind of a primer on, on all of this. Um, but so, so often, I think we focus on Jesus' precepts, like what he tells us, right? And that's important, like we, we should. But we often forget his practices. Like, what, how did Jesus follow God, right? How did he live in such a way that he exemplified this, this kind of life. Like if, we're, if we look at the Gospels and we saw his patterns of behavior and now we're in this yoke with him, what would it, what would it look like? Well, there's a lot of things that we could, we could talk about. But if you go through the Gospels, you'd be surprised to see like Jesus regularly spent time alone, often in prayer, which is so interesting, right? It's all the mystery of the Trinity and what that means, right? But that, that the, the Gospel writers go out of the way to tell us many times when Jesus would do that, he would go, he would pray. It's clear also Jesus knew the Bible. As you read it, the, the, the amount of times he quotes it, references references he knew the Bible. He knew how to, he knew how to rest. Um, he, would, he would rest with his disciples. He would call them away to, to private places, not necessarily even to teach, but just to be together. Um, he knew how to serve, how to love. In other words, he practiced spiritual disciplines. Again, I'm glad, I'm glad we read the Dallas Willard article. Um, I had the privilege of, of meeting Dr. Willard at, at Christ Community uh, several years ago before he passed away. And uh, he was truly a man who, who knew Jesus. Uh, and he li- he, this is how he lived. I mean, truly, he embraced what he taught. Uh, and he describes them as training off the spot so you're able to succeed on the spot. And I, just, I love that metaphor like of practice and spiritual discipline, spiritual practices, right? However you want to call it, like um, those words are often used, but I love, I love the idea of, yeah, training off the spot for something on the spot. Another way of saying that is that the disciplines are doing something you can do, like that you actually have the power to do to help you become the kind of person to, that does the things that you can't just do. Um, so like it, there's some easy examples. Like I can't, I could say tomorrow I'm going to run a marathon. I could say that, right? I can't do that. There's no way, right? But I could train. I'd like to believe that I could run a marathon if I trained. You guys think I could do that, right? Yeah, I could do that. Um, I, can't, I can't sit down and play the piano, but I could, I could practice, right? I could take lessons. And similarly, I can't just overcome my anger. I can't, like, Nathan, stop being angry, right? But I can practice solitude. Um, I, can't just, I can't just say, you know what, I'm gonna, today I'm going to love my enemies, right? Or, you know, enemy is such a strong, I'm going to love the people who are mad at me right now, right? Or are difficult in my life. I'm going to do that, right? I can't. I can't. I don't have that power, but I can pray for them. I can do that. That I can do. 
I can't just, I can't just stop sinning, but I can over time train myself through these disciplines to actually love what Jesus loves. And this, this is the moment where, you know, I always feel kind of ridiculous uh, in this, in this lecture. Cause it's like, I feel like I'm, uh, you know, the doctor and you're the patient and you come in and you're like, doctor, how do I lose weight? And the doctor's like, well, you, you probably should eat better and exercise. And you're like, well, I knew that, right? I mean, we, we, we know these things. None of us, none of us are surprised by this. Um, but, the re, but the reality is like, you know, to, if, you're, if you're coming and you're like, man, I'd love, to, I'd love to overcome this area of sin in my life. I'd love to be a better spouse. I'd love to stop looking at pornography. I'd love to be less angry, a little less greedy, less judgmental. Like, I want to be whole. I want to be this kind of person. And then I say, like, well, you need to eat better and you need to exercise, right? Nobody wants to do that. I mean, meaning like, you need to train off the spot so that you can su- succeed on the spot. You need to practice the spiritual disciplines, the things that you can choose on a daily basis to engage in. Um, I can, I can decide to pray tomorrow. That's not hard to do. Like I can, I can set an alarm, I can get up earlier, I can carve out 10 minutes of my day. Like I can choose to do that, right? And that's not gonna instantly make me a better person, right? But if I do that for the next 20 years, and that's, that's what this takes, like this is the long view, right? People, we're not, we're not in this for short-term gains, we're in this for lifetime uh, following Jesus. But over 20 years, You do that every single day. You start your day every day by saying, God, I cannot do this day without you. If you don't think that's going to change you over time, like I don't don't know what is, right? You got to practice off the spot so you can be ready on the spot. And those moments like when temptation overcomes you, right? And Bonhoeffer said temptation is is when you believe that God is dead, right? You, You forget God for just like a minute. You forget he exists, right? When that temptation overcomes you, or the moment of, of weakness, somebody, somebody attacks you or says something to you, like you can't in that moment be like, okay, I'm going to do better this time, right? You've got to train for it. I know it's not easy. And I, again, I know we're all looking for a magic, like a diet pill, right? Um, but for most change, the daily spiritual habits are what we need the most. And again, they're not going to change you tomorrow. Like if that's what you're in for, like you're barking up a wrong tree. That's not, that's not how Jesus does this. occasionally, right? Occasionally he will intervene in that way, but most often it's years of practicing consistently. And if you want to be ready for Monday, you got to engage engage the disciplines. Um, Like this, this is the better yoke. Um, Again, if you, like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, cheeky. But like if, if you come and you say, hey, I really want this to be different in my life. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not going to do that. It's like, well, I, I don't know how to help you. I, just, I, don't, know, I don't know another way, um, quite honestly. And so I want to I highlight, maybe pause there. Questions. Oh, man, we are. I do this every time. I, I do. I just, I get so excited, guys. I try harder. <laughs> That's exactly. Shut up. Shut up, Capel. Before I go any further, any, any questions about just the concept? And we're going we're gonna to talk about three of those disciplines uh, quickly, because I do want you to have some time at your table. But um, any questions about the concept? Does that make sense, the idea of tra- off the spot, on the spot? Um, 
I mean, again, like another, another good one, you know, is like, like fasting. Like we never fast. Like we just don't, we don't deny ourselves anything, right? That's, that's not, the, that's not American. Um, we, we don't, we don't do that. But like, if you're, if you're dealing with overspending, right? Or, or, uh, lust, right? Sexual sin, uh, the, anything with your appetites, right? To just pick something. I'm going to deny, I don't have to satisfy this. And food, like you, eventually you really do. Right. But if you if you fast, like that's that's a way to train your body to real. Like, I don't have to listen to my desires. My body does not control me. Right. And over time. Not tomorrow, but over time, you change. All right. All right. Three, three things. Uh, number one, three, three steps that I think, especially as we think about Monday. Number one, bring back the Sabbath. Come on, people. Right. Like, I don't, this, is, this cracks me up that we, we still like, oh, but we Christian, we don't have to do that. We don't have to, we don't have to do the Sabbath. It's like, why would you argue with a day off? Like, why, why do we do that? I don't, like, no, nah, we, don't, we don't need to rest. Um, that's ridiculous, people. We do. And frankly, if you understand the way Jesus talks about the Old Testament law, like, he always raises the bar. He never makes it easier. Um, and so I, I just, I, I don't have patience for that. It's not a legalism, right? And I think that's the difference. We're not earning anything from God. We don't have to be as strict with it. But my goodness, if you want to be ready for Monday, you've got to have a Sabbath. Uh, Jesus rested. Um, and if you're thinking, yeah, okay, right, I love the weekend. Like, let's, let's do that. Um, not quite, okay? Um, it's not just a day off, right? It's more than a day off. It's Sabbath, okay? It's, it's God's idea of rest. So there's a couple of things that that means. Like, if you're going to do that, if you're actually going to do that, it means you have to work harder the other six days. Like, you just can't, you can't, you can't argue. Like, you just have, you have to do that. So you, there's got to be sacrifice built in your week to say, I'm going to do that. Um, but Sabbath is a day when you say to God, I'm not in charge. And I'm so confident I'm not in charge of the universe. I'm not going to, I'm going to let you do it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. Um, I trust you to do the work of satisfying me. I don't have to meet my own needs, my own desires. I trust you to do that. And then on that day, you find things that actually satisfy your soul. Not, again, not just, not the things we go to, right? But actually satisfies you. So for many of us, like Sabbath might include church, right? Uh, I think that's how, how many of us would, would practice that, right? It's maybe a little bit different if, if you're a pastor. Um, so for, for me, my family, we, we try to do uh, like five o'clock on Friday night um, until, so I guess we're, are we Jewish? I guess that's technically um, till five o'clock, five o'clock Saturday. That's how we, we block off. And we, we work really hard, work really hard to not work um, as a whole family um, to, to do that. So again, maybe for you, it's like, it's not, there's nothing magical about that. That's, it wouldn't make sense for me to do Sunday. It makes sense probably for most of us to do Sunday because we gather together, right? We worship and there should be worship and delighting in God on Sabbath, right? That's part of what it's, what it's for, um, not just football. Um, and so, like, think of Sunday. At, you don't have to hurry at church because you got nothing else to do. So you, you can you can serve, right? You can you can talk to people. You can go out to lunch with with friends. Um, then go home, take a nap, read a book, go on a hike. I mean, for me, yard work. Like that's that's that, man. I tell you what, when I'm like filthy and sweaty, that's that is that is rest for me. Uh, have a conversation with people. Like play a game, be with friends. Like just don't rush. Do what fills you out of worship and reverence for God, saying to him, God, you are in charge, not me. And if you do that often enough, you'll actually begin to believe it. Like, okay, God, you, you, got, you got this, right? 
And maybe, maybe you're, you, know, you, you hear that, and you're like, Nathan, you don't know, you don't know my world. And that's, that's possible, right? And maybe, maybe you think, there's, like, there's no way I can do this. Again, like, then I, I can't help you if you're exhausted. I just can't. Like, this is, this is, like, step one in so many ways. This is carve it out. That means burying your phone in the backyard for a day. Do that. That means setting up different expectations with your, with your colleagues at work. Do that. Um, you need... You need to rest. Just try it. Okay, sorry, lost my place. Just try it once a week for a month. Just try it. This can be hard, right? And you have to figure it out. And this is where the legalism, like don't be a legalist about it. Figure out actually what fills you and you know, how, that, how that works for you and your schedule, your family, all of that. And remember, I mean, remember that, that God's, God originally commanded this to people who like would literally starve to death if the fields didn't work out, right? And so it's like, I know, I know it's like, yeah, we don't, but our contacts were so busy. Like, but they would die, right, if things went wrong. Um, and so I think, I think we can do it. So, uh, and it'll make the rest of your week so much better. Um, this is part of taking up his yoke. That's number one. Number two, uh, and I'll be faster. No, I, no, I won't. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> number two, actually, I think I will. Uh, Starting in your day with prayer. If you don't already do that, like, like and you want a better Monday, like again, like that, you just, you have to do that. Um, you have to build that, that routine into your life. Uh, that is a place of rest. It's again, it's a place to say, God, I, I'm, I don't know how to live my life, um, but you do. And I want your help. Um, and so we wake up tomorrow, pray, maybe take five minutes. You know, for a long time when I was sort of forcing myself into this discipline, I would literally set a timer and be like, okay, I'm going to do it. Five minutes. I got this. You know, I can, I can do this. Right. And then you get distracted and you're like, Oh, I got to start the timer over again. Like, it's okay. Like just find a space to begin building that rhythm in into your life. And if you need help knowing how to do that, like talk to somebody, talk to somebody who does it or, or read a Psalm. Like those are prayers or other prayers that have been written. Like if you don't know the words to say, pick somebody else's and make them your own. It's okay to do that. That's not cheating. Um, but pray, take, take five minutes. And when you go to bed, do it again. Just say, God, thank you. And thank you for sleep. Like, give me, give me rest. And not just, not just sleep, but real rest. And then the next day when you wake up, do it again. And then do it again after that. And over time in the yoke, you might actually rest uh, in God. And again, try it. Just try it. We got to lose. Try it every day for a month. Um, just see, see what God does. And, and you got to think of prayer less about what God is going to give you. Like, I think that we, have a, we have a faulty mindset. Yes, we're, we're asking God to intervene in our world. It's not, it's not less than that. But if that's all it is, it's just, it's going to be really frustrating. Um, but if we look at it as an opportunity to submit our day, to get into the yoke once again and say, God, this is, this is your day. Thanks for giving me a chance. Help me do it better. Um, that will, that will change you. And then the third, it's probably obvious. Again, it's like exercise and eat better. Like pick up your Bible occasionally. Um, and by occasion, I mean every day, uh, just to be clear. Um, read your Bibles. And again, if you don't know how to do that, like, we want to help you with that. And I think we're going to teach a class on that again soon, right? We did that not too long ago uh, on how to read your Bible, how to begin that process. We're, I think, in January? Sometime. sometime. Okay, sometime. It'll happen. Um, we want to help you do that. And part of, part of what we're doing with Church for Monday, the reason there's homework, it's not because we think, like, homework is, like, it's going to, solve something for you. It's like we're trying to give you a little extra accountability to practice some of these habits. 
to just say, I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna try it, right? Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna look at my book and see like, if I did it or not. Um, and so do that. We need, to, we need to hear daily from God. Um, again, even when you read the Bible, it's not, it's not like trying to get something, right? I think that so often is our mindset. What do I get out of this? Like that's, I mean, what does God get out of it, right? Um, come to him and submit to him and say, God, I just, I need, I need your words like food. Feed me. Um, you need to hear from him daily. Okay, so friends, we need a better yoke. Um, if we want a yoke that suffocates, we've got plenty of options, right? Our desires, our expectations, the expectations of others. What Jesus offers is a yoke of rest, of integration, um, of invitation, right? From the one who is gentle and lowly. And when we get into that yoke with him, practicing those disciplines, not just obeying what he taught, but following how he lived, we can actually, actually change. Hey, we do have 11 minutes left. See, I knew I could do it. I tried harder. Um, so take, uh, take the last 10 minutes. I'll call us back for a minute, but take nine minutes here, nine or 10 minutes, and talk through that last conversation point. Okay. Somebody can have this book if you promise to read it in the next six months. That's too late. Too late. Sorry, Sarah, you win. But you can you can lend it to Carol. You can lend it. Okay, let me uh, let me end with a benediction. Uh, I'm gonna just read our our text again. Feels like a good place to to close it. So as we go from being gathered right in this place to still being the church wherever we go after this, that's who we are. Jesus says, "Come to me." All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Mm. Amen. <laughs>